0: This is Your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger.
1: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life Podcast, dedicated to helping you create a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your divine gifts. And I am grateful today to have a special guest. And I'm excited. We were chatting ahead of time and I'm excited about her work. So Marianne St. Clair is joining us today. Welcome to the show, Marianne.
2: Well, thank you for having me, Kellen. How are you?
1: I'm just doing great. So um, uh, I'm gonna have you introduce yourself in a minute, but right now I just wanna ask a question to start with. I define creating the ultimate life as creating a life of purpose, prosperity and joy that you create by serving with your divine gifts. And that's my definition. And people use a lot of different words. So if I ask Marianne, Marianne, what is your ultimate life?
2: I call it an orgasmic life. I call it because it's when we're really engaged in the things that bring us a lot of pleasure. And pleasure being every aspect of our life that brings us joy, that brings us into Um, the things that make us feel good and make us feel really alive.
1: Fabulous. So one of the things that we hear a lot about online, there's a lot of people, uh, coaches and gurus and this and that and the other, trying to tell people, well, do what you love and the money will follow, or, you know, follow your dreams and all that stuff. And I say the same thing, so I'm not saying that's negative, even though I'm saying it like that. My question is this. Do you believe it's possible to live that ultimate life, or is that just hype? No,
2: I truly feel it's possible. Why are we living if it's not possible? You know, I I believe that, you know, we, we can find the, the heaven right here on earth. It's not someplace you get to eventually. Um, it's right now we can create what it is that brings us the most amount of joy that we feel really connected with those that are around us and we're living and expressing ourselves fully with our gifts. I, I think it's now.
1: I love that, and I do too, so I agree with you 100%. And I like to ask the guests that especially because I want that affirmed. Yes, you can have it now. So many people sort of have the idea that I'll be happy when, you know, when I get another job, when I get more money, when I even get my health back if I'm sick or whatever. And I'm living testament to the fact that you can be happy. I, I had emergency surgery a few years ago and I was in the hospital. I woke up paralyzed from the waist down and had to go in, and they drove me from the or took me from the ER to the OR and did some operation. Blah blah blah. I did my coaching calls did a neck brace from the hospital bed. Why? Because I felt like it. Because that's that you know. And so the idea that you have to be everything has to be okay is nonsense. And that's why I ask you that question.
2: I I think there one of the key things that you said over and over and over was be. It's not in the doing. It's in who you're being. It's who are you being? It now, are you being that person that is excited about life? Is full of living the life that you want now? Because it's not only thing you have is right now. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have next week. Who? What are you gonna do now? You know.
1: Love that, and we're gonna talk more about that being. And I, it's not very often that I'll talk to somebody who is really focused and understands the verb being, it's probably the most complex and interesting verb and state of existence. So anyway, i want to move off that for a minute. We'll come back. I, I'm seeing a diamond over your left shoulder on the wall behind you, or the background, and I want to talk about that diamond and invoking the power of the muse. So you chose that background, and uh, I want to know about that. What is, invoke, excuse me, what is invoking the power of the muse? What is that?
2: The way I look at it as there's a, in Greek and mythology, we knew about the muses as being, you know, inspiration for things that were like science or art or, and I think we've gotten away from that as I study it. And as I look into it, we got away from tapping it outside into the the collective um, genius and making the person the genius. So relying, and that's a heavy burden to carry. It's a heavy burden, I think, when you know, we think that we are the be-all do all have all. And really, when when we tap into creativity, when we tap into the unknown, and I think the muse, is that bridge into the unknown and whether or not it's a person like myself, I call myself a muse, um, or it's something that you use like nature could be a muse. Um, but I think using that as a bridge into the genius, the inner genius, the tapping into more of the realms of the unknown and i use the diamond because the the diamond you can chisel away at this rock and it becomes this precious um, gem and i feel that each person is that diamond i feel that through life and society we've got all of these Um, I call them barriers, beliefs, and bullshit that, you know, we kind of have made us to where we're burdened with the responsibilities of daily living, but we forget that inside is that, that true gem and it's finding the ways to bring that gem out. And as a muse, I like to tap into the creativity to do that pleasure and play.
1: So I love, I love lots of pieces and there's several things that I want to dig into. One is the, the the beliefs, barriers, and bullshit. What, what do you suppose, like, why are we doing that? Why have we collectively sort of created this set of rules, expectations, upbringing, boundaries, that, that burden the gem with layers of soot and everything else that need to be washed, polished, scrubbed off. Like, what are we doing? to ourselves and to the, each rising generation that, that contaminates their truth or their true essence in that way? Why, why are we doing that?
2: I think if we look back through history and we, we look at how things changed when we came into like the Puritan state and we, we came into what would happen if everyone was powerful what would happen if everyone was in their true gifts? What was, it, what would happen if everybody expressed themselves fully? I think what ultimately began to happen was numbing down training. Um, so we could be good little worker bees and do as we're told and not question authority, not question outside of. Um, you know, not listen to our intuition, not follow our own heart. These things have been kind of um, really stripped to where it's taken our generation, my generation, I'm 60. It's taken me years and years and years to really learn to be fully Marianne. And I think I still have a ways to go. I think I'm still learning every day. Um, but I think it's it's something that has happened to us, and I think we are now really through self improvement and self help, and um, we're listening. We're listening more. We're coming into this being state, and we're really checking into who am I being by asking questions like
1: that. Uh, so I love that, and I think you know historically, what you said. Maybe it was for control. Maybe it was for order. Maybe it was whatever. But I think what you're saying and I agree with is there's a sense and I get it more and more as I talk to people that's manifesting in a couple ways. One is I'm tired of that old thing. I'm going to do new things. So I'm going to strip away this old container and be my diamond and tap into inspiration. And I want to talk about that in a minute, some more, but tap into inspiration and I'm going to get rid of all this stuff and explore the truth of what's going on. So I'm feeling, an awakening and we use the woo-woo words, but you know, it's a spiritual awakening all over the place. And I hear more and more and more people talking about it. And what's funny is just five years ago even, coaches who were working on this essence, who were working on people just being who they, they would talk about it like, okay, what we really wanna do is work on people being their best selves and everything but nobody really wants to talk about that. So we're going to talk about money and how to make more money. And we're going to, we're going to donkey smuggle in the rest of this stuff. And we're going to play this game. And I'm hearing that less and less where people are getting tired of pretending that we're doing one thing when we're doing another and are, are now willing more to talk about the truth, which is who you're being is everything. Everything else flows from that. So, we're going to dispense with the with the idea that we have to tie it to this stuff that means something in the machinery, and we're going to talk about the true thing. Now, I said all that. Does that make sense to you and how how do you and react to that?
2: I feel what you are describing is what is was still happening from the doing state of of life, from whether or not we want to call it the masculine side, the patriarchal side, whatever we want to call it, it's still from the doingness. And and so people were trying to do to to be, you know, and okay, well, just tell me what do I need to do now? What do I, you know, and so they get caught up still in the doing, whereas You know the being state is much more feminine it's much more the flow it's much more surrender it's much more but giving up the doingness and action and is very difficult because when you talk about surrender surrender a lot of people equate with that's a passive um it's it's very weak to surrender but truly Um, surrendering is one of the most powerful things that you can do is surrender into what you don't know so that, and it's a, it's, it's a active state, but it's, it's more um, inside than the exterior of what reality that we're looking at. It's more of an internal um, space
1: I love the idea that you're saying, and I have a phrase for that, and it goes like this. From the place of being, the doing becomes trivial. And by trivial, mm-hmm. I don't mean unimportant, important. I mean easy. So when you're being something, doing stuff is easy. It's what you naturally do. If you try to do the doing first, it's a white-knuckle ride trying to force something from a place of being something else. So I, I love what you're saying, and I agree that there is an awakening and a, and a pull to express and to do, but do it from a place of authenticity, connected to who you are being. I want to go back, circle back to a minute to what you said a, bit, a minute ago about the muse. Tapping into the power of the collective consciousness, the universe, the divine, the creator, you know, the, the, the outside, higher self, God, whatever you want to call it. That that thing, and people call it all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that, and I'm sure that power is okay with that too. So. Let's let's talk more about that because everyone feels intuition. Uh, sometimes we ignore it. In fact, often we do till we decide not to ignore it. But I want to talk not only about listening to your intuition, but about cultivating and developing the ability to hear it intentionally to get more and more to where you feel uh, guided and you live that way. So how do you help people Trust their, hear their intuition, trust their intuition, and develop their ability to live that way.
2: One, one is going to be so counterintuitive in, to what we do nowadays as adults, because as children, it was um, really, you know, made to where play was wrong. But it's getting back to those and cultivating those innocent states of when we like children. It's childlike states, not childish states, but childlike states of curiosity, play, adventure. And so when you can begin to ask questions like um, what if or, um, you know, what, how would it be? You, you become curious, who would I be? How uh, these states then take us into a new place of tapping into the unknown. And when we can begin to play with our intuition and listen to our intuition, as a child, you didn't question your intuition. You never questioned what your own voice and your own innate knowing was back then. You just were told, you know, what was right and wrong for you, but you knew. And so going back into and getting into those playful states, getting out of the doingness, and getting into a sense of being, you begin to listen more. And some of the things that I use are even doodling. Remember how we used to take and we used to, I don't know if you did, Mm -hmm. but you would doodle on the outside or a piece of paper or, and that's at, that's giving the, the mind something to occupy itself with so that you can listen more. So I think it's almost like it needs a distraction. You know, our monkey mind, our robotic mind needs a, a distraction. So when we can throw a ball, when we can play tennis, when we can take a shower, when we can doodle or do something in creativity then those gems can come in you know it's and so i i like to find lots of ways for my c-suite and ceo clients that are so driven to be able to um, explore life where they can just get into those beast being states and play as so
1: vital for that you used three words that i really want to repeat and i want to find out if there are any more words you'd add to that or if you have any elaboration you want to give on these curiosity play and adventure were three things that you said in that descriptor of uh, childlike states of both trusting your own intuition sort of just being in that place this is everything was present this is what i'm doing here now and nothing uh. else really exists and we've we lose quickly the ability, and we spend most of our time up in our heads thinking somewhere and somewhere else besides right now and so curiosity, play, and adventure were three of the words that I heard uh what would you what else you have other words that are part of that explore, piece Explore.
2: explore
1: uh-huh
2: exploration risk you took a mm-hmm. lot of risks mm-hmm. um, and I want to say um Adventure risk. And it's, it's more, I would say, I'd say those are the main ones Mm -hmm. that are coming to mind right now. There's a few more in the childlike qualities, but those are the adventure risk um, curiosity. Yeah. Let's stay there.
1: So good. Um, So that's five curiosity play adventure risk and, Um, I don't know. There was one more, but it'll be on the recording. So tell me more about the risk thing. Um, we are so we become because of this, a socialization piece, we'll just call it that risk averse because we want to keep what we have. We don't want to fail. We don't want to look bad. We, we have this fear of judgment and we learn all that because you don't think about that as a kid until you get bashed it, you know, a bunch of times but when you just now said risk, you said it in a particular way that made me want to ask about that. So how does risk, risk tolerance, your willingness to be wrong, to make mistakes, or how would you define risk and why is that important in this process?
2: Yeah, I I feel if you're only living from the state of what you know, and, you know, if you don't feel safe in your body, First and foremost, I think, you know, part of and adding another word to that list is is being in our body, being being present right here and right now. I think if we feel innately safe in who we are and we're not worried about the judgments of other people or that we're going to do something wrong and we're fully confident in who we are, then I think you know, taking risks is something that we need to do. We need to take risks to go to the moon. We need to take risks to um, come and and develop new products and new ideas. But I think each one of us needs to find those edges where we're playing safe, where we're playing. and And it has to do, I work with people all the way from their sexuality to their creativity, to their, you know, how they're living and showing up in their relationships. And within that is a lot of constructs that are just beliefs um, that people have taken on. And so going beyond that, there's a whole nother realm. And so to asking questions and then being able to go act with okay to fail, I think a lot of us don't want to fail for the fear of looking stupid or looking bad or wrong and failing is how you create something new. And so we need to, we need to fail more. We need to take risks and do things that are just new and exciting. And yeah, I'll leave it there.
1: You know, I was thinking about two things. One is, Um, I write a lot and I have 18 books and a bunch more planned. And one of them is called failure. The art and science of challenging boundaries. And so that is, that was sparked in, as you were talking about the willingness to fail. And I also thought about being a kid behind the, not our house, but it was our house. And then there was a street and then there was the houses across the street and over their back fence, there was a Creek and with the rains in California, I'm sure that thing is fuller than full right now, and it was dug out quite deep, so it was was a drainage creek, but I do remember a time when we were little that it flooded, so it filled all the way up, and that was unimaginable, and I was just thinking the other day with the rains, it probably is now, but anyway, in going down there, you had to walk down this steep bank down into it, and you talk about taking risks, so you do that, and they sometimes had put little pieces of concrete and rocks and you'd jump here. And sometimes you'd miss and you'd land in the squishy mud and there you'd be and you'd have to go home and clean off your shoe and do all those other things. And I thought about, as a kid, you wouldn't not go down there to look for toads or whatever, minnows or whatever you're going to do in the creek because you might miss and land in the mud. Of course you would. And if you landed in the mud, you'd deal with it. And to me, that was the image that came into my mind when, when you yeah. said all that. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question. Um, when you When you meet with someone, because most, maybe nearly everyone has this layer of stuff on their diamond, what do you do to help understand whether or not someone is prepared to do the work to clean off the diamond, polish the facets, and explore that stuff that you're that you that you know is necessary for them to get where they want to get. How do you? What do you do when you talk to them to start with to see if they're even ready to do this work?
2: They have to have a willingness. They have to have a willingness, and then they have to have the capacity. So, in the willingness, are they? You know, are they showing up? Are they? Fully guarded, are they, uh, you know, egoically driven where they think they know it all and they know all the answers, or are they curious to go beyond what they know? So some of, you know, it is in um, feeling, you know, are they willing to go into their feeling states? Are they willing to go and tap into emotions that they haven't felt or that they want? To feel, so I think a lot of it for me really is answering the question: Do I feel they are willing to go beyond?
1: What do you What do you say to them if you if you feel like they're not? I mean, I'm talking about exploratory conversations when someone's not happy, but they're looking for maybe an easy way or a checklist or something in that sort of older style of growth. Like, how do you address that with someone who? is guarded, who's married to their excuses, who doesn't really want to, or their reasons, whatever. What What do you say when someone shows up and they, you know, they want help, but they want to know all the answers at the same time?
2: I do, how I begin with people is I, I have an intake form and that kind of asks some questions, but then I do what's a pleasure map. And it's where we dive into these things. Can they dream? can they can they see outside of what they see now? Can they begin to um, when I ask questions about feelings, are they really guarded? can they can they begin to share them? And then if they can't, it's I give them a few tools to look at one is you know to excavate their dirty little lies and you know they can go in and it depends on their willingness if they're not willing to do a little bit of work to excavate some of those lies that they've believed we can't go further because there's there's too many um constructs and maybe they need to go to a mindset coach or they need to go to somebody else you know, that can free them up a little bit because what I want to do is really get to those people that can change the world and that are willing to change the world, that are willing to do something different. And I want to show up fully for them and the ones who aren't ready, they need need somebody other than me.
1: Um so in the place that you are right now in your life uh, you mentioned earlier that you were 60 and you've been through a bunch of things obviously you don't fall up the mountain so uh, how did you get to where you are what uh barriers obstacles things you mentioned getting rid of things and you're still a work in progress like we all are H- how did you get where you are Oh I had a
2: really good um one I went through a very difficult, um, probably five to 10 years with, my daughter had a challenging, um, it came on when she was 15. Um, She has Ehlers-Danlos along with um, dysautonomia, which is the autonomic system is dysregulated. And um, it, I, I met a lot of challenges along the way with the medical system and that really through this journey, it helped me see what I believed, what I, it was my own journey. I went through burnout. I went through, um, understanding and reclaiming myself, reclaiming my body, going through my own sovereignty journey, um, getting back into my body, which, you know, through trauma when I was um, six and eight, where I was sexually molested, those things, you know, you got to get in and do the work. And it wasn't, um, it took a lot of years. And now by peeling those layers, I feel like I do have the diamond. I do feel like I am at a place where It doesn't take somebody long when they work with me because it already, I've peeled away those layers and there's more. I'm not saying I've arrived. I've got more,
1: (laughs) more ways to go. So it's interesting. I appreciate you sharing that with me. And with the listeners, it's interesting that almost, I won't even say almost every person who has the kind of excitement and vision that you have for the possibilities of people and each person's a divine creation and has infinite possibility, but a lot of people don't believe that and they have the layers of story and struggle that are on top of that diamond. It's interesting that everybody that has that fire to fix, not fix, but to help people uh, make their own advancement uh, has been through some one, two, three, five serious obstacles because you don't ever fall up that you don't fall up a hill, you don't fall up the mountain. What would you, if people if people are going to want to find out more about you, they're going to want to hear more of what you have and to uh, follow your work, how, how should they do that?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think I'd like to share one quick thing before I do that. And that's, you know, how, what's the narrative that we're creating for ourselves. And we all have the capability, I think, to change our narrative and change what it is that we are bringing and who we are being um, to the world. And so, I invite everybody to change their narrative.
1: Um, before so you, I, before you go, go to ahead. the other, tell me more <laughs> about the narrative because I agree with you. Everybody has a narrative. I call it a context. So it, we call it different things. Yeah, story, context, narrative. You have one, I have one, everybody has one. It's the way we think the world works and how we fit in it. And then changing it is key to getting different results and different things in your life. Um, Where does a person, assuming they're willing and they're interested in doing that, they hear you say that and they go, hmm, I'd like to do that. How would it, tell tell me, how do I change my narrative? Okay,
2: so you... Have are living a fifty million narrative right now, where you're you're showing up every day. That is, and you're living this one direction, this one narrative. Me, I'm living the narrative of bringing the muse re re um, showing the world the value of the muse that um, I think is a really key part in helping to change the narrative of the world. I think the the muses have the ability to tap into um, the unknown. And I, I believe you're gonna see, just like we did over the past 20 years, we saw coaching rise. I think you're gonna see the feminine gifts and the muses rise. Um, so I believe that we all have like you say, that gift within us, it's really tapping into what's that bigger gift? What is that bigger mission? What is that bigger thing that you're here to do? Me, uh, you know, my, I've been creative my whole life. I've been in my feminine gifts m- my most of my life. And it, it, I would, I would have this word for the past 10 years, the muse, and people would not get it or so it was an excavation for me truly understanding what the full scope of it was and i believe that changing the narrative is really finding that gem finding that that thing that we that y- is in there that you've been ca- you've been saying you've been it's that that peace for you love um And I believe that once we get that, then they can live from a place of being that. And it's not something out there that they're trying to get to, but it's something that is fully encapsulating who they are. And they live that narrative going forward.
1: All right. Thank you. Good. Now you can tell us where to find more about you and more stuff.
2: Okay. So um, my name is Marianne St. Clair. On all social medias, you can find me there. You can find me on my website, Marianne St. Clair. And I have a biweekly masterclass that's called The Biz of Pleasure. And that is where I get into more of the deeper scope of this work and show you tools that you can use to lead your life in your personal life and your um, professional life from this being state.
1: Marianne, thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate your conversation and what you've brought to to the show today.
2: Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for allowing me such grace to be me and show up fully. So thank you, Kellen.
1: You're welcome. Uh, to the listeners, I want you to go back through that, because this beingness, this idea of finding the true essence, the gift, you have a gift. It's your call whether you find it, it's your call whether you develop it and use it, it's your call whether you serve the world with it or how you serve the world with it. But what I know for sure is that when if you choose to use it, it is your highest development and greatest joy. And if you follow the things that, that Marianne's talked about, you excavate your your true essence and you serve with that gift that you will move ever closer, creating your ultimate life.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger.